SaaS Backwards is sponsored by Austin Lawrence Group, specializing in demand gen for SaaS. It sure is noisy. I deleted 100 emails from vendors just this morning. Your buyer has gotten better at ignoring you, and you're going to need a big idea if you want to cut through all that clutter. Austin Lawrence is just the right agency to help you find it. So if your campaigns are falling on deaf eyeballs, let's talk. Visit austinlawrence.com today and let's build something bigger. Welcome to the SaaS Backwards Podcast, where we reverse engineer the success of fast-growing SaaS firms and explore strategies CMOs and CEOs are using to drive their businesses forward. Welcome to SaaS Backwards, a podcast that helps SaaS CEOs and CMOs to accelerate growth and enhance profitability. Our guest today is Spencer Dent. He's the founder and CEO of Closed, revenue attribution software. Win-loss, win-loss platform. So we help companies figure out why they win and lose sales opportunities. And what brought you to the Ascent Conference? What made the most sense for us was to be here around other revenue leaders, CMOs, CROs, sales leaders, folks that are trying to figure out how to navigate this environment. And those are our cool customers. So meeting with them, showing them what we can do, but also hearing about the challenges they're dealing with. And what brought you to create this company? Like, what was your background? Yeah. That, so that made you want to do no, this? So, so it's super interesting. I feel like myself and the other co-founder of Close, I think we're uniquely positioned to develop this space and this offering. So my background is I worked for a management consulting company, Bain. I did a lot of sales revenue operations, kind of strategy work. And then I got recruited to Qualtrics. And Qualtrics is a feedback company, customer experience feedback, employee feedback. And my co-founder, Andrew Peterson, he worked at Qualtrics as a sales rep, sales leader, and then in a product management role. And it was super unique because we were dealing with the problem of why do we and don't we win deals but the challenge there, but the joke was we worked for a feedback company, right? So we actually worked for the feedback company. So we we're thinking about feedback all the time, but we didn't actually understand why we won and lost our own deals, which led us to think there's a huge opportunity for every B2B company to go figure out why they win and lose deals so that they can optimize their go-to-market across the board. And have you seen like a change in how deals get done? I mean, are they harder to close, longer to close? In this environment? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so here's some data for you. So we work with several hundred companies. Many of them are software companies. The majority of them are. Between 2021 and 2022, we saw a 50% year-over-year increase in deals that were lost to no decision, meaning the deals were put on hold. They were put on ice. And what you're seeing in this environment is a spike in budgets are tight. Deals are getting canceled. Deals are now getting evaluated by a CFO or the procurement levels are dropping. You used to have to go through procurement at $150,000. Now you got to go through at $50,000. So there's all these extra stage gates that have been introduced into the sales process in this environment. They're slowing deals down. But also the other thing that's slowing deals down right now is because of the uncertainty in the economy, people are slower to make decisions. They're more scared. They're more timid. They're more nervous to put their own career on the line and, and push for things. So you're seeing deals that used to take three months, take six months, just take six months, take 18 months to get done in this environment. And what do you think software firms need to do 
to combat that. What are the top two or three things that a head of sales and head of marketing yeah. should be thinking about doing? If I'm a head of sales, I'm thinking about whatever framework you're using. Let's say you're using Medic. Make sure you really understand the decision-making process. Your buyer probably doesn't understand that right now, right? They probably haven't gone through and refreshed and said, hey, given the current environment internally, what are the steps I need to go through to make sure this deal gets done? So make sure you've got that. If I'm ahead of sales, if I'm ahead of marketing, I might think about how am I positioning our business in this environment and how has my audience potentially changed, right? For example, let's say I'm the head of marketing and we used to sell to a sales leader or a marketing leader or a product leader, whatever. Now you got to have much stronger ROI messaging, much stronger stats and case studies that can provide value because you're going to be more thoroughly evaluated and vetted from a financial perspective in this environment. So CFOs, they don't care that you like it more. They don't care that it looks better. They don't care that it integrates slightly easier. They care, will it make me more money? Will it save me more money in this environment? So you have to be able to prove that stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I have this troubled relationship with ROI calculators yeah. and, and ROI as a marketing yeah. and sales proposition. And I'm sort of kidding around a little bit, but yeah. but not because I think people worry more about what they might lose than what they might gain. Yes. At least that's been what we've thought. Is that shifting? Is like ROI now being connected to other future loss, like loss of my job or loss of yeah. opportunity? You know what I'm trying to get at? Because that um, positive isn't always as easy to sell as avoiding the pain. Yes, yes. So part of ROI has to do a lot with your value prop and how you frame up your value prop, right? If you frame up your value prop as we're going to help you avoid pain, we're going to help you avoid loss, we're going to help you save money. And here's how simple it is. You can do that. But I think people rely too heavily on give me an ROI calculator and let me plug in my inputs because the inputs never fit in perfectly. Much of what ROI in a purchase decision is more about what do you have to believe for this to not be a bad decision, right? So I view that as how much money do I have to save? How many more deals do I have to win? How many more employees do I have to keep on staff? Whatever it happens to be, what do I have to believe to make this worth it? And how hard is it to connect those dots? The harder and more complex that equation is, the less believable your ROI is. So I really like that idea of what's the narrative that I have to believe to think this is a good decision versus the cold, hard numbers, though we want some numbers to back that up. Right. right. So we need to give people a little rational air cover. Yes. While we work the narrative. There, there's an art and a science to defining an ROI, right? The art is, hey, here's what you have to believe. These are the subtle things, and it's not that hard to believe these things. And by the way, here's four other stories of companies like yours that have gone through this and what they saw. That's the art side. It makes you feel reinforced and comfortable with it. The science side is we believe we can cut out these costs. We believe we can have this lift in your productivity. We believe that we can have whatever X that you can tie to dollars. And if you can combine those two things, you can probably get somebody to feel pretty comfortable about it. Companies that rely too hard on the hard numbers get shot down by the couple of obvious questions in the art side. And companies that rely too hard on the art side, they get shot down by the yeah, but what is it actually going to save me? So you want to have both. So we need both. We need a narrative that we can communicate broadly. And also, I imagine we need to get the sellers to really understand, appreciate, and use this yeah. exact same stuff, right? Yeah, and some salespeople are just frankly better at 
selling value, right? Like sometimes you have salespeople who are just feature-based people and they might not even be selling at the right company, right? Like you can train someone as much as you want, but you need salespeople who have solid sound business judgment and the ability to communicate it because they'll be the ones that can make the ROI business taste. So what is the impact of the data you see on positioning? Like as you talk with marketing leaders, yeah. who I imagine are part of your yeah. own ICP set, yeah, right? Yeah, They're yeah. buyers, economic buyers for you. Yeah. Like how does win-loss help you change positioning? The way yeah, I, how, how, are, yeah. how are we yeah, as how marketers going to help that along? Right. Yeah, great question. So when you do win-loss correctly, you cover a large set of your pipeline. When you cover a large set of your pipeline, you're able to understand broadly why you win and lose, but then you can also double click into, when I go up against competitor X, here's why I lose. When I'm selling an industry Y, here's why I wouldn't lose. Knowing that allows you to be informed as you create your positioning instead of just closing your eyes and shooting in the dark. Way too often companies are trying to dupe their positioning based off of the internal echo chamber thoughts of how they're different from their competitors or why certain industries should or shouldn't buy them versus validating that with buyers as to why they did buy them or why they did not buy them. So to me, like 101, you can't really do good positioning without understanding how you are perceived in the eyes of the people buying you or not buying you. So we totally agree. Yeah. You know, a big part of our process guiding clients is to get this like fundamental customer knowledge, yeah. right? This insight into what drives them to make decisions. Yeah. But we find it really hard to get the closed loss yeah. info. Is that something you could help with? Yeah, that's exactly what we did. So we would plug into our client's CRMs. As deals get closed out, you push those deals into our system. And then we go out and we reach out to your buyers through a couple of different forms. We can survey them, which you'll get light data. We can do like an asynchronous interview with them where they can video record their rationale. And then the deepest and most prevalent, powerful is to actually interview the buyer. And we'll go out and interview the buyer. Not everybody will participate. You know, it depends on kind of the hygiene of your CRM and a handful of factors, but we see... For a lot of our clients, 10% participation rates. For some, as high as like 30 or 40% participation rates, even on losses. We'll also incentivize them. Hey, we'll give you 50 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever happens to be for feedback. Well, but, but what's interesting in that case is depending upon what your sales cycle looks like, the more intense your sales cycle is, the more willing they'll be to give you feedback. Because they know right, you spend everybody, time. Because everybody invested in the sale, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Especially if your sellers and the other team members did a good job yeah. trying to help the customer or, make or a even decision. If they did, even if they didn't. When you say, hey, look, Ken, I hired this external third party to come get your feedback because we want to figure out how we can get better. That in and of itself says, I value you and I want to hear from you. And people are, they're, they're substantially more likely to participate in a phone call conversation, Zoom meeting, than they are a, a so survey. So I love that. And, you know, our process, as I mentioned up front before we do positioning work, we're doing the customer and internal subject matter yeah. expert interviews. The hardest part has been the closed losts. Yeah. So it sounds to me like for a lot of clients of ours, this might be a great solution. Tell me if people want to learn more about your company yeah. and connect with you, how can they do that? The simplest way is just go to close.com, C-L-O-Z.com. There's a lot of information on there. What I would suggest is if you actually go look at the definitive guide to win loss, that's a super useful piece of information, data, white paper on best practices, how companies are approaching this today, how to think about it based off the nature of your business. If you're a very transactional business, lots of small deals, 
you should think about win loss very differently than if you're an enterprise heavy, large deal company. That's a great way to do it. Another thing that you can do is go check out freebuyerinterview.com. You go on there and we'll actually do an interview for you for free. Nice. So and that. could you give us your main website URL one more time? Yeah. com. You're also welcome to just reach out to me. I'm spencer at close.com. Happy to chat with anybody that wants to learn more about it. That's awesome. Thanks so much. And if people want to reach me on LinkedIn, it's LinkedIn slash in slash Ken Lempit. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, please do so wherever they're distributed. Spencer, thanks so much for being a guest on SAS Backwards. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the SAS Backwards podcast brought to you by Austin Lawrence Group. We're a growth marketing agency that helps SaaS firms reduce churn, accelerate sales, and generate demand. Learn more about us at www.austinlawrence.com. You can email Ken Lempet at kl at austinlawrence.com about any SaaS marketing or customer retention subject. We hope you'll subscribe, and thanks again for listening.